Welcome in, welcome aboard. Wednesday, June 20th, 2018, here on a show to be named later. Been reading a lot of Syracuse.com lately with Mike Waters putting in some great content about Syracuse basketball, and it got me in the mood to talk Syracuse basketball. So why don't we do some of that coming up in a little bit? I also want to talk about Kawhi Leonard because uh, reports yesterday on Tuesday that Greg Popovich met with Kawhi Leonard, which, let's be honest, that was predictable. I could have seen this coming from a mile away, and I think I said as much on Friday. So we will get to this in a little bit, but as mentioned, I do want to start with Syracuse basketball. And Mike's great work on Syracuse.com really put me in the mood for some SU basketball talk. You know, we're we're sitting here, it's like NBA draft time, and, and normally we're getting ready for somebody from Syracuse to get drafted, right? We're normally sitting here in Syracuse, New York, and we're saying, all right, where's Malachi going? Where's Tyler Lighting going? Where Where is, you know, Michael Carter-Williams going and Dion Waiters? And, and for the last six or seven years, We've been watching as guys have gone in the first round, and and we're just wondering, all right, where where's Chris McCullough going to go after not playing much as as a freshman? And, of course, this year we don't have that because Tyus Battle decided to come back to SU, and, and he's going to play another season and the whole thing and on and on and on. So it's kind of left this void. It's kind of, you know, left me wondering, all right, when when do we get to talk basketball again? Because I like talking SU basketball. And now I can kind of scratch that itch. And Mike's putting together a great series, and if you haven't read it, go check it out on Syracuse.com about what to expect from each player next season and, and things that you're looking for. And so it just brings up an expectation of next year. And, and I think expectations are sky high for obvious reasons. I mean, they are returning five guys off of a team that went to the Sweet 16. And, and yes... I would agree with you that that team wasn't really that good. That they got a couple of favorable matchups, that they played their best at the right time in the NCAA tournament, and that over the course of the year they were not a very good team. I would absolutely agree with that sentiment. But the fact of the matter remains that they went to the Sweet 16 and they bring back all five starters. And they bring in a player in Elijah Hughes who... The coaching staff certainly seems high on, right? We talked to Jerry McNamara. We talked to Alan Griffin about him a couple of weeks ago, about a month or so ago. And it certainly seems like they are high on Elijah Hughes. You bring in another true freshman in Jalen Carey, who seems like he will make an impact from day one. So you're coming back with this team with a solid starting five, and you're adding pieces to it. All of a sudden, maybe you have a bench. Maybe you have th- some depth that you didn't have last year. You add in Buddy Beheim, maybe you're playing with a nine-man rotation. Whereas last year, you were really down to six, maybe seven by year's end. So at the very least, you're thinking, all right, this is a better team. This is a deeper team. This is a more experienced team than Syracuse had last year. And as a result, they should just be better. 
right? You would think that the natural improvement of each player would make this team better. But what is that improvement going to be? I know I talked about this a lot on Orange Nation in regards to Tyus Battle. His his points per game is is likely to go down because his minutes per game are likely to go down. And you would have to hope, and, and I would hope the benefit of him coming back is that his shooting percentages improve, that he can you know rack up a couple more assists and, and look better in that regard. But if you look at just the counting numbers, if you look at just you know the the counting statistics, his numbers might look worse this year than they did last year, just because he's not going to be playing the forty minutes a game, or you would think he's not going to be playing the forty minutes a game that he did last year. And a similar thing can be said for O'Shea Brissett. Where you would imagine that maybe the scoring isn't quite where it was last year because he's probably not going to play the 40 minutes that he played last year. And you would think that maybe Frank Howard's numbers dip a a tiny bit for the same reason. But overall, that should kind of help everybody, right? Like that, That should make everybody better long term having these guys fresher and more available. Now, one thing I'm thinking... As we sit here in mid to late June, and I'll really have to think about this more as we go through the summer and get towards basketball season in the fall, but I think it might be important for Syracuse this upcoming season for their best player to be O'Shea Brissett. And I don't mean that in a way of knocking Ty's battle, because I think he's a great basketball player. I think he... You know, is a future NBA player. I think there's a place for him. He's a scorer. He can he can shoot the ball well enough. I, I think he'll defend well enough at the next level. But I feel like a guy like O'Shea Brissett can make this offense kind of go in a different way. Can make this team go in a different way. He's a little bit more of a, a multi-dimensional player. He might be able to score in the post. He can score outside. He can score mid-range. And I know that Tyus can score at the basket, score mid-range, and score on the perimeter. But it just feels like it's in a bit of a different way. O'Shea Brissett, maybe not as ball-dominant or dependent as Tyus Battle is, or at least was last season. And some of that was circumstances. Some of that was... Tyus Battle needs to have the ball in his hands because we don't really have anybody else to put the ball in their hands. Right? Tyus Battle needs to have the ball in his hands and make a play because we're not sure that everybody else can make a play or get their shot in the final seconds of a shot clock. But maybe O'Shea Brissett becomes somebody this season who can make that play who can create in the final seconds of a shot clock. And I think that development is one of the more important ones for Syracuse this year. Because last year's offense was stagnant. Last year's offense got stale. Last year's offense, it felt like, was very slow to develop. And if this team is really going to be better this season than they were last, I think that's where things need to change. We know the defense is good. We know the defense is going to be good. Because look at how well they were playing at the end of last season, and you're bringing back all the major players from last year. Brahma Sidibe, Pascal Chukwu, Frank Howard, Tyce Battle, O'Shea Brissett, Marek Dolezal. You're bringing back all six of them. 
So you would think that they still play good defense. They're still hungry. They're still getting after it. The thing that needs to improve is the offensive end. So having an option like O'Shea Brissett to go along with Ty's battle and having both of them, you know, in theory improved should help. But that's probably not enough. You need Marek Dolajai to step up. And how many times did we say this over the course of the 2017-2018 season? How many times did we say Marek Dolajai has got to play better offensively or be more confident offensively or be able to shoot that 15-18 to foot jumper? I think we said it almost every game. On pre-games, on post-games, on shows in between, on Orange Nation, on the block... I think we said it almost every single week, every single day. And it remains true. It adds another dimension to this offense. And then all of a sudden, you've got him to go along with O'Shea Brissett, who, if he could improve his playmaking and shot creation, would be great. Go along with Tyus Battle, who you know can create his own shot. And Frank Howard, who at times showed that he can get his own shot and make a play for himself. That's where the improvement needs to come. And I think that's where expectations need to be. If this team can improve on offense, if these players individually make the improvements that need to be made, I think that they'll be a very good team. And going into the year, because they're bringing back five starters off of a Sweet 16 team, they're likely to be ranked pretty high. They're likely to be ranked in the top 25. I would have them top 20. So somewhere between 15 and 20, 15 and 25 is where I would have them. Because I think that you can't ignore the fact that for most of the season, this group wasn't all that good. But now they come back more experienced. Now they come back, and while some of them need to do more, and some of them need to expand their game, maybe some of these guys, like Frank Howard or Tyus Battle, don't need to do quite as much as they did last year because they have help, because they have reinforcements, because they have Jalen Carey and Elijah Hughes. And that can only help Syracuse be a better team next year. I mean, that can only help them be a better team. Expectations on Elijah Hughes, expectations on Jalen Carey, expectations on Buddy Beheim. I have no idea what any of them are going to give you. I can only go off of what the coaches have said. I can only go off of what I have read because I've not seen them play and I've certainly not seen them play at this level. And I think that's the most important thing. You can think that Jalen Carey as a true freshman is going to be very good. You can think that Elijah Hughes as a redshirt sophomore is going to perform very well and that's totally fine. But I don't think that we can make that judgment until we see them play at this level. 
because it is different to play at ECU than it is to play at Syracuse. It is different to play in high school, no matter how good that high school is, than it is to play in Division One basketball. So, for now, I will take Jerry McNamara and Adrian Autry and, and Alan Griffin's word on this, and I will say that, you know what, Elijah Hughes could be a big scoring option for them at the two and play the three, and Jalen Carey could be a playmaker scorer off the bench. But right now, I'm going off their judgments, because they've seen these guys far more than they than I have. And I'm going to wait until we see them against D1 players. I'm going to wait until we see them playing against good competition. Not just the Cornells and the Colgates of the world. I want to see them when they when Syracuse plays even a Georgetown or a UConn. And Iowa and Oregon. Other Power 5 schools. Other major conference schools. And then I'll pass judgment on what those guys can be. But I think that having them on the team is better than not having them on the team. And that might sound like an obvious no-duh, obviously, thanks uh, thanks for that great insight, Seth, kind of a comment. But it creates depth, which is something that Syracuse did not have last year and something that really hurt Syracuse, I think, last season. Whether they wanted to admit it or not, you could tell that guys were getting tired. You were telling you could tell that guys were getting worn down towards the end of the season. Syracuse needed that extra guy. Syracuse needed Geno Thorpe. Syracuse needed Howard Washington to be able to spell some of these players just a couple of minutes each night. They needed Matt Moyer to be able to be, you know, a, a productive player for them. And Syracuse did not have that. Certainly not after February 1st. I think that'll be one of the biggest things going into next year. How can that bench perform? How can those new guys perform? And I leave Barama Sidibe out of the bench conversation because I think of him and Pascal almost as co-starters. I don't think of either of them as guys who are going to play 30-some-odd minutes a night. I think they're both play you know, around the 20-minute mark. So I think of them as co-starters. Right? They're both the center. The guys on the bench, the guys who are really going to have to make an impact, Carey, Hughes, and to an extent, Buddy Behan. We'll see how much he plays uh, coming into next year. Why don't we take a time out to tell you to get caught up with all of our shows on the block with Brent Axe, Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and myself when we come back in August, and the Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPNSyracuse.com, or you can subscribe on iTunes. Just search ESPN Syracuse, and you'll get them delivered to your phone every day as soon as they are posted. Also, while you're on our website, ESPNSyracuse.com, don't forget to check out the audio vault. You'll find every interview that we do on this station cut up and nicely packaged on its own for you to enjoy. So we got the audio vault. We've got the daily podcasts. And of course, this podcast, a show to be named later. All of it on ESPNSyracuse.com. And you can find our show podcasts on the ESPN Syracuse iTunes feed. All right, now back to a show to be named later.
All right, I want to wrap things up with uh, some of this Kawhi Leonard talk because I know I know we talked about it a lot on Friday's podcast, and and you can get kind of my bigger picture thoughts on it if you go back in the archives and find that. But my my kind of top line thought was I was surprised that we had gotten to this point. I was surprised that we had reached this this kind of escalation of Kawhi doesn't believe the Spurs and now he wants out. Basically because it's the Spurs and they've done nothing wrong over the last 20 years and it's Greg Popovich and it's you know David Robinson to Tim Duncan to Kawhi Leonard and he was just the next building block in what is now a 20-ish year dynasty. And I was also surprised because we saw this same scenario unfold last year, right? Where, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge was reportedly unhappy. LaMarcus Aldridge didn't want to be in San Antonio anymore. LaMarcus Aldridge reportedly wanted a trade, you know, just after signing with the Spurs. Only to meet with Pop, only to have his mind changed and come back and have a fantastic season. He was an all-star this year. LaMarcus Aldridge played a great year for the Spurs, got them to the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard playing at all, without Kawhi Leonard having any kind of an impact on the team. And so I just kind of assumed that the same thing would happen here with Kawhi Leonard. I just kind of assumed that, all right, you hear these whispers, you hear these rumors, you hear these reports all season long. Kawhi Leonard's unhappy with the Spurs. Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to be there anymore. He doesn't trust them. Blah, 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 blah. He wants to play for the Lakers. All right, all right, all right. We get it. And then the summer would come and Pop would sit down with Kawhi and say, hey, look, here's what we're thinking. Here's why you're here. Here's why our doctors did this and this and this. And here's why we would have wished that you had done this with us rather than going out on your own and doing it in New York. And everything would be fine and and things would be smoothed over. And Kawhi Leonard would end up playing for the Spurs again, right? That's how I thought things would pan out, which is why yesterday when reports came down that Popovich met with Kawhi Leonard, I was not surprised at all. I was not surprised at all because, of course, he was meeting with Kawhi Leonard. Of course, he was going to sit down with his superstar player that he doesn't want to get rid of. Greg Popovich is a smart guy. Greg Popovich is a great coach and has proven to be a very good GM as well. So, of course, when he heard about his disgruntled star and making that demand known publicly, by the way, of course he was going to sit down with Kawhi. And he was going to try and talk him into staying. Or maybe he was just going to ask, hey, why did you make this demand public? And there were reports last night that this meeting was scheduled prior to Kawhi's demands becoming public. And maybe that's what this was supposed to be, right? Maybe this was supposed to be that LaMarcus Aldridge meeting from last season. The, hey, we know you're unhappy here. We know that you want to be traded. But before you go and make that known, before you really make a stink about it, let's talk this through. Let's talk you off the ledge, right? Let's bring you back and let me explain what your role is and how good you can be on this team and with this franchise. So I'm not surprised at all that this meeting took place. I would have been more surprised if there was no meeting. I would have been more surprised if they weren't 
going to talk about this. Again, because it's Greg Popovich, because it's the San Antonio Spurs, and they have earned and and, and are now afforded that kind of benefit of the doubt. They've earned it. Because for 20 years, they've seemingly not had a misstep. For 20 years, they've been building contending teams. Winning championships. And going on their way in a way that is really different from, you know, what we would normally see. Everybody's just kind of quiet. Everyone's reserved. Everyone's doing their job. It's very Belichickian. It's it's very Patriot-like what is going on and what has been going on in San Antonio. Much the same blueprint. Do your job. Don't say anything. Play good soldier. Move along. Except for when Kawhi Leonard demands a trade. Right, this is the equivalent of Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski saying, I want out, isn't it? And Belichick would have to sit them down and say, hey, look, we're not stupid. You're not stupid. Let's work this out. Let's figure this out. And I think that's much the same as what happened with Popovich. Hey, Kawhi, I'm not dumb. You're not dumb. Look at what we have already done here. Let's not mess this up. By being irrational. And if you can do that, then maybe you're able to rebuild. Maybe you're able to bring this relationship back to a workable place. Back to a place where you can at least be in the same building and work towards the same goal and be on the same team, right? Because that's got to be what Pop is looking for at this point. Again, he's not stupid. Popovich is not stupid. And he knows that if he trades Kawhi Leonard, has to trade Kawhi Leonard, he is not going to get back equal value. We've seen this time and time again. The Nuggets didn't get back equal value for for Carmelo Anthony. Last summer, the Cavaliers did not get equal value for Kawhi Leonard. You can argue on the Paul George trade. You can argue on the second Carmelo Anthony trade. You could it, the the Thunder certainly did not get equal value for James Harden when they traded him away. You do not get equal value in the NBA when you trade a player like that off your roster. Greg Popovich knows that, and Greg Popovich wants to avoid that. And this meeting was just a predictable step one in that direction. That will do it for us today on a show to be named later. We'll keep it rolling. We'll come back tomorrow with more and maybe, maybe, no promises, but maybe we'll have a name by then. We'll talk to you later.